Oui. I wouldn't say he's glue because he's, he's, you know, he's one of three, he's but... He's the honest memory. He's the, he's the repository, living repository of what was good and innocent that they can return to. Yeah, yeah. He, pres he preserved it. Yeah. Wait, wait, before you go. He, he preserved it, but to put it that way makes it sound like it's all in the past, that he doesn't have a role in the present. What's his role in the present going forward from that past before all the, you know, all the wounds set in? He's the honest memory. He's yeah. Well, that is the present, but in the present, he brings it back. He's the calm and the storm. See what? He's the calm and the storm. Everybody else has a tendency yeah. to mm -hmm. explode or go the other way, sad and run away. He's kind of the calmness that brings things together, and everything's kind of acceptable to him. He's what? It's acceptable. Except, to, yeah. So you can still get angry, but he's still very close to that anger, at the same time he's very close to the niceness. So he's kind of, I guess, a common spot. It's a rule in this work that we do that you do not raise hands. This is not a classroom. <laughs> Speak. He what? He focuses on now. Everything like, when he was going through the things, like, there, there's the porch, and there's the, you know, he just explains everything as is now. It's like, everything is, he focuses on, on the stillness. Yeah, he's the only one too that keeps bringing up this saint, this saint, this card, this card. I mean, it's not a big thing in the movie, and it's sort of laughed off because it's Dale, but he's the only one who does that. Mary, did you have something? Well, I thought Dale brought tenderness to the family. Yep. When they get all hyped up, they have to really tone it down for Dale. And I thought also that the family members had enough sense, even when they were angry, to know that they had to stay together because yeah, for right. Dale. For Dale's sake, mm -hmm. they had to learn to work together. That's yeah. what I thought. Yeah. It was an example to me of thinking simple perfection. Simple what? Perfection. Is a foil for the rest of the turmoil in that. Yeah. He was not in turmoil. Yeah. He was just, and he was very simple. And yeah. Very Yeah. 
let me offer my own thoughts on this because to me it's really Amy do you want to offer something on Dale um, to, to me so go ahead Ann Yeah. The one who looks like he doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think it's absolutely crucial to see him as being simple-minded. You can call it retarded or an idiot. I mean, it seems to me... Dostoevsky wrote a novel, one of his most important novels, called The Idiot. Um, in Faulkner's Sound and the Fury, one of the most important figures is Benji, who's an idiot. It's a, it's, it, it's a means by which we can we can see possibilities in characters through a character. I'd say he doesn't just live in the past, I'd say he has the simple-mindedness of an innocent, a child, simple-minded, and he carries that through his life, so he does carry the past, he holds on, he shows the films, but, but what he brings to them is his love of innocence. It's like, he, it's like a simple, he's, he's uncritical, he doesn't make judgments, Everybody else in the family is making judgments everywhere. I mean, for obvious, for, for, so important, for issues of justice. Glenn's, Glenn's career was ruined. Hank did stupid things when he was young, and, and people suffered from them, you know. So did the kid. What's the, the, the bad guy, though? Blackwell. Blackwell, yeah. Um, everybody else has an active, critical mind, very critical. Dale is uncritical. He, 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 he looked, St. Thomas would call that attribute connatural, it's knowledge by connaturality. Hold on to that. Knowledge by connaturality, by sympathy. It's a knowledge through the heart. It's in innocence. And everybody else, everybody else is educated. The judge, Hank, you know, um, sharp, critical minds. They can see the faults of people. They make up a big part of their life. You can't watch what, uh, what, I, what the movie and watch what Hank does without seeing. This is a brilliant lawyer. He knows what to do. He's got such a good critical mind. The polar opposite of that is Dale. When the two brothers hug at the end, God, I mean, it's hard to look at Dale and not weep. I mean, he looks at, he looks at them in love. He's seen a family return, recover in innocence it hasn't had since childhood. So when we're watching the movies, you know, of the childhood that he took, he keeps, he, he stays in the present, he's constantly taking films, he's sensitive to everything. He knows anger, he's very sensitive to anger. He knows the emotions, he, he knows, he feels something in response to them, but it doesn't take the form of a critical mind. So through his eyes, I don't know how to put this, we're allowed to see that there's something good at work in the world that doesn't take that other form. All right? So much of what's accomplished in the movie depends on what Hank does in trial and what the judge does. What we're watching in Dale is an uncritical, unjudgmental um, action of the heart. It's a tender sympathy he loves. It's just an innocent, it's, it's like a reminder of something we once had. So, and that's a part of the action. Take that away, it's just not the same story. What about Samantha's role, Sam's role? 
before we get to the family. What's her function in the movie? What does she contribute to the movie that's important? No, get back in here. <laughs> What's her role? Talk about family abandonment. Sorry. Wait, Heather, go ahead. Yeah, and through his accomplishments, you know, he's a Chicago lawyer now, he's, and she makes it clear she's not going to leave this town, she brings that, she's at home, there are no pretensions. What else in her? I think she's a really important figure. When she was talking to him at the end about his, his wife being very, very, very much over here in the same way over here, somewhere in there, she still loved him. Yeah. Hated this, but loved that. Yeah. She's been faithful her whole life. She never stopped loving him. It's an amazing love. I mean, she she never stopped. She had that fling with Glenn, that, which is a, which is a wonderful suspense element, and you know, in the movie, and he doesn't know if he's making or didn't know if he was making love to his daughter. I mean, it's a shocking. Um, I just love that scene where where she says very openly. Um, I loved you then. I love you now. You are you are the most selfish person. I how did what you are. Yeah, yeah. Simultaneously, you're the most selfish and the most generous person. Now, I love you because you hate bullies while you're being one yourself. I mean, she sees him as she is. I mean, as he is. He's gifted. He's can't be easy. But through the movie, he does so many good things. Um, go to go Hank. Sorry. She's his Beatrice. His Beatrice. Yeah. An imperfect one, of course. Yeah. Right. I mean, we're not right. We're not in Dante's Paradiso, but yeah. No, but yes. But yeah. she is. Yeah. She's alive. I think it's because of her that in the end he decides to stay. I don't know if this is the right way to do this, but I'm going to ask it anyway because I, I I want to get to the this question about is it Catholic or not. Um. I don't know if I can, I'm going to ask it anyway. I'm, of the three brothers, is it possible to say which one of them loves their father more or most? Is that even possible to... Here, go ahead. Go ahead, why? And he's had to suffer. I mean, he comes home, his father doesn't acknowledge him. At the end, his father. Is there any question how much the two of them... Is there any question how much the two of them love each other at the end? And let me ask another question. Susanna and I were talking about this on the way. What's the difference, you know, in the boat scene after Hank's gotten um, to judge off? And he goes to prison and he comes back and they're in the boat and then suddenly the father says, you are. And Hank says, I am what? And he says, you are the member because the, who would he choose? Um, 
what would happen to the movie if it ended with the father saying, if the judge saying to Hank, I love you, son. And he doesn't say that. He says, you are. Are you following? He's giving him that recognition that he wanted all his life and never felt completely accepted by his father. But, he, but here's the question I'm asking. My question is, what's the, what would be the difference if the movie ended in the boat scene with the dad saying, the, the judge saying to Hank, I love you, son, which would express his approval, but he doesn't. I'm asking... What would be the difference between a movie in which the, the, the father said that and what the father says here? What's the difference? I don't think it was that father's name. He, he didn't love, he didn't have any love ever for the kids. The boys, outspoken love, and he loved them, but not like the wife that he loved. Yeah. He was not able to, I don't think, portray that love to any of the boys. Does he lose something by not being able to say that? Do you guys feel a loss at the end? No, he said it. He, I don't, go ahead. He, he, he did say, I love you. He just said it in different words. <laughs> he, he just, he's relating to the, to the line about giving Grandpa a hug and saying, where's my bit of honey? And he says, you are. Yeah. You're my bit of honey. Yeah. Yeah, Paul, go. Say again, sorry? The judge has been about respect yeah. 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 and he was giving his son or acknowledging respect to his son. Yeah. As a father, yeah, yeah. Um, I think the other way would sentimentalize the movie badly. That's right. I, and it's really amazing because I don't think, at least as I watch it, that we feel any lack of love. You know, I don't hear Christ going around saying, "I love you, John. I love you, Peter." It doesn't mean he didn't love them. Um, there's something very impersonal and unsentimental, but it's not less there, I would say. I want to get to the heart of this because this is what, um, and I'm just, we're not going to do justice. What would happen to the, so difference between this movie and a faith-based movie, is it Catholic? Um, how important is it at that, so in the action in the, so it, it, the, the heart of the movie, the frame of the movie is a trial scene. And it involves a judge and his son at the heart of it. Because the son is now a lawyer and doing everything he can. He, even in the hospital he says, so you're going to go and you're going to, with your hand on the Bible, you're going to confess that you remember killing him. And the judge says no, because he doesn't. And Hank says, good, do that. And he thinks he's safe. The next day they get to that point where the lawyer can't um, show that he's, he can't prove that he hit him. The judge won't acknowledge it. And everybody, and Hank has thrown enough doubt on everything, the tire tracks, all of it, you know, to, to leave it an open question. Um, but they get to that point where the prosecuting attorney walks away and Hank goes, he's safe. And um, 
And then he goes up, um, boy, I'm getting the sequence, sorry. He goes up to question him about his mental health to show that he, 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 he can't prosecute himself because he can't admit that he actually killed him. And he walks away again thinking his father's off. Nobody in the movie, no, in, in, I think including Glenn, and Glenn made it really clear, he does not want his father going to jail. He's, he's going to die, and he doesn't want to see him. Nobody, wants, nobody in that courtroom wants to see him die in jail. Um, Hank walks away, and then the judge says, that's not my testimony. What would have happened if the movie had stopped? Serious question. What would have happened if the movie had stopped after that first moment when the lawyer comes away unable to prove the judge's guilt and Hank goes safe? What would have happened if the movie had stopped then? Just one, okay? What would have happened um, after the judge gives his testimony um, and Hank walks away thinking he's safe again if the movie had stopped and it didn't, it, we didn't, the action didn't go on and then Hank says, he stops himself in mid-track and says wait it doesn't add up his father's a judge Hank's a, a brilliant lawyer he stops and says wait it doesn't add up his father's off he turns around, he says, wait, it doesn't add up, and he turns around and he goes back, and he, he questions him and he says, why the leniency in that case when you had all this evidence? What if the movie had stopped then? So the question I'm getting to is there's a number of points where the movie could have stopped and the judge would have gotten off when the judge himself says, that's not what he wants, he wants justice. What would have happened if the movie had stopped at any of those points and it didn't carry forward. No go, Karen, go with that. What? Flesh it out. Yeah. Um, if the movie had stopped then and the judge had been um, let off, exonerated, um, would the suffering have gone away? What, what was it? So you know from our work in tragedy that the action of a tragedy is that a peripatia takes place, a turn, a turn turning in the tragic action. And with the turn comes a recognition and the tragic hero sees something he didn't see before. What, what is it that happens that helps relieve everybody of the suffering that everybody's been carrying for years? There's been, there was a lot of answers that came out. If you would have stopped here, there would have been three or four different answers that would not have materialized or been spoken and consequently the, the thoughts and anger still would always be there so by continuing it 
you got deeper into the problem, the understanding of why people felt they went, the way they felt, consequently they get an opportunity for more healing. Yeah. Would you all agree? I, I think the reason I'm pushing this is because it seems to me if, if the court had achieved a legal justice according to the court system, and it didn't go farther, we would have had a legal justice, but it wouldn't have answered the suffering. And Hank learned that his father saw uh, the same problems in him and that he wanted to give the other man mercy because that's what he wanted. Yeah, yeah. Say, I mean, we're not in on that. Would you, all, the three of you, offer that to the rest of us here? Hank <laughs> didn't receive the mercy that his father was trying to show Blackwell. Hank didn't receive that same mercy from his father. So instead of the father, instead of giving the mercy, being merciful towards his son, was merciful towards his. Yeah, yeah. And he ended up being a terrible guy. He never reformed. Like, that's the whole point. Maxwell. Is that in Blackwell? Black or Blackwell, yeah. He never reformed. Right. He gets out of prison after Right, right. He's still a, a yeah. teenager. Right. I think in some way the father was then projecting onto Hank what he had seen in Maxwell and how Maxwell had been. Yeah. He was projecting that onto Hank. For sure, yeah. Hank may not have deserved yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. That was far, far of what the father... Yeah. I think there's something else too. Because Hank's father changes suddenly in Hank's eyes, and now he's someone that Hank can actually admire. Now it makes the reconciliation possible. Yeah, he sees the yeah. Resentment. The resentment of his right. father melts away. Yeah, yeah. right. In the kitchen. So magnanimous, really. Yeah, yeah. I would say deeper than magnanimity. It's it's closer to love. In the kitchen scene, they're both furious. Hank is saying, why didn't you do this, 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 this? Why weren't you here? Why didn't you do this? You did this for all these people. Where were you? And the father's trying to be tough, and he's seen a kid. So he's trying to be, he, he, wants, he wants his son to be what he can. So he's trying to be as tough as he can. It's not resolved in that storm. And it, it, the background of that moment is a storm. And they're left that way. The, the part, part of the beauty of that moment for me is they get through, and the next day, I mean, Hank goes and sees... Sam, he comes home and his dad is outside drinking. He finally opened that bottle. And the two have that tender scene where the father says, you know, I'm sorry I belittled you. And he couldn't give him, he could, he couldn't give him any advice. All he could say was, <laughs> have a drink, let's toast. That, you know, that. So we're, we're watching a family change very gradually. When the granddaughter comes in and the judge sees her, Hank has already tried to prepare and say, you don't know this guy, he's a monster. And he suddenly sees sides of his father that he doesn't see in himself. So one of, the, one of the beauties of a family is that we see different aspects of reality through different eyes. So what happens at the end isn't just the result of one person's way of looking at it or another. And we're watching characters change. They're actually um, growing in love. Um, um, okay, is this, I, we're not doing, I just think this movie is too deep to, let me just offer, I, 
For me, one of the most beautiful moments in the movie is when um, Hank is trying to get his father off and so he has to bring out this information that the judge doesn't want known about his chemotherapy and the, the, by, um, the side effects of it. And when he starts to bring that information up, the judge gets furious and said, I'm done. You know, and I mean, the fury, um, how important is anger? I'm not kidding. Remember, we've talked about this, that anger is not a vice. The modern world thinks anger is wrong when somebody gets angry. It's wrath is a sin. Anger is not. Um, would there be any purging? Remember the tragic action of a peripatia, a turn, and a, and a um, catharsis, a purging of the emotions. Would that purging have taken place if they had not blown up at each other and gotten to the truth? With the truth, and I'm hearing Christ the truth will set you free. If they had not come to that, would the, would the cleansing, the, the, the relief of the suffering have taken place? And, and think about the risking, because in that anger and that fury, I mean, I, one of the nice things about the kitchen scene is the next day they're followed on the porch and they're drinking together. You know, it didn't keep them from recovering and um, being good to each other. It, it's, it's wonderful, if I can, it's wonderful to watch that family bear its suffering and learn to come through it to something better because they're bearing a lot, the wounds. So last question and then we'll stop. Is it Catholic and how is it different from a faith-based movie? Is Christ present where? I don't think it matters whether it's Catholic or not. God is evident to the whole movie. Love, acceptance, forgiveness, understanding. The whole movie to me is full of that. Yeah. Well, one of the one of the interesting things that goes on in faith-based movies, I mean a lot of you probably don't watch them, but you know I watch more movies than I should. But very often, the, a faith-based movie will, somebody will have an addiction in a family or something and you'll reach a point where it'll say, Christ is my savior and, and the movie turns. And you can, Suzanne's way of describing it on the way here is you can put a pink bow on it, you know, and tie it up in a, that's, that, yeah, that's why, that's why I raised the question earlier about the ending, the difference between the father saying, I love you, and is not saying that. Do we, is there a loss of life? Is there a difference between a faith-based movie and a Catholic one? If there is, what is it? Is this Catholic or not? Does it matter? In the faith-based faith movies, do they have all those words in them that I don't have in my home? You mean the swear words? No, no, no. <laughs> I don't, but that is not in my house. But do they? I mean, I don't think I'd see that in a Methodist or a Baptist film. Wait, what? Movie. You don't see what exactly? Sorry. You mean the bad words? The swearing, yeah. Or the sex scene with Hank making out with this girl or and and the and the daughter in the car going, I'm a product of this Mississippi, you know. Those are Catholic qualities. <laughs> I absolutely agree with you. I, I'm not kidding. I'm I'm gonna say this starkly. One of the differences between our faith, the the Catholic is more forgiving of swear words, first of all. They always have been. They're more forgiving of the body. 
of sexual things. The, the Protestant world, particularly the fundamental spirit in, in the South, is far more sexually repressive, dark. Um, does that mean the, the, the Catholic family is more free of problems? I, I would say just the opposite. If you believe in sanctity or holiness, not because I think the Protestant world tends to be defined by respectability, you know, you follow these, you know. The Catholic world calls all of us to holiness. That means we have to go to a different, a greater depth of sin and face it. Look at Dante's hell. I mean, we, you, you'll never see anything worse than Dante's hell in any picture. So we're supposed, to, we're supposed to be more truthful about the depth of our sins because we believe there's a greater height offering scope to the graces offered to answer them. Um, if we go to, I mean, we've talked about this last, I think, if you come out of confession, I think we talked about this last week, you come out of confession brooding over your sins, if you really confess, it's, you should come out glad because you've been forgiven. If you're still holding on to your sins, is there a Puritan quality in you? You know, I, we're supposed to be glad. One of the differences between the Catholic faith and the fundamentalist certainly is Catholics are called to holiness. There are sacraments in our life. That means <laughs> our sins will probably in some ways be graver. Um, um, we'll have to face more. The burdens may be greater. But the glory will be deeper, greater. Um, um, is it Catholic or not? Last, last two minutes, 60 seconds. Christian, because in the, the point that I saw in the movie where, where Hank begins to love his father again is the point where he has to tend to his father's bodily needs. When he loses his in the bathroom scene, yeah, he has to he has to shower him off yeah. in the bathtub. Uh, that's when he softens his heart. To him. It's a touching scene. It's so it, it's, it's so accepting of the body and its ugliness. It doesn't hide. It doesn't close the door on it. We're watching an old man become incontinence, and it's a human. I'm, all of us are going to be there one day. We would hope. I would think that. You know, that, I mean, I, I really felt it when Hank, when um, Lauren is knocking at the door and he's, he gets, go away. And when he first took the father in there and the father be, be, became incontinent, the father was pushing him away and said, get out of here. It's a serious question in my mind whether Dale wouldn't have, or I mean, a Glenn, or Dale wouldn't have left. Hank would not. There was no way. There was no way he was going to leave his father there. There was no way he was going to leave him in the courtroom scene. I think what helps is that they're both humbled. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
You know, the, the father can't hold on to his pride when he's being incontinent. I mean, how do you cover up your dignity? He's incontinent all over the floor. He is absolutely humbled. His son is not going to leave him. They are humbled together, and they laugh. The, the reason I laughed at the, you know, what are we doing fixing the sink? Because I think the, the, the father's metaphor earlier was something wrong with his plumbing. I think it was a, that, that they were talking about fixing the sink, and I thought, what an appropriate metaphor, you know. That they, they were both laughing because they were, yeah, they were both humble. In those moments of shame, what do you have to cover up anymore? You're absolutely exposed. You're absolutely vulnerable. So there are lots of moments in the movie where little turns are taking place that prepare, prepare for, I think, what's a joy at the end in watching this family experience something. All of, And then finally, you know, at the end when Hank says, I'm home, here I am, in that wonderful scene with the chair turning and you know, the decision whether he's to stay in the point of the chair. Is, the chair. It's like the gods are watching out for him. The chair is pointing to him. Anyway, let's, let's stop because um, there's a lot of cleaning up to do. Any, any thoughts on the movie? Write to me or hold them over. No class next week. We'll take a week off. You guys need it. So do I. Um, we'll take a week off and then we start with um, Matthew. And I'm going to plan to do Matthew in two or three weeks. So, do Matthew. I'd love to hear your response to the movie, whether we should do this again. Yes, sure. Let's, if we do it again, we've got to put... Some, I think I'm the worst enemy here. We've got to somehow cut back on the food. I kept, think, I kept saying to Suzanne, we're not going to have enough food, we're not going to have enough food. And she said, oh would you all please, please, I'm asking as a favor, would you all take some extra home? Thank you for bringing it. Let me know. Let, hold on. Let me know about my idea is to have a movie night every once in a while. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sorry, Bob. Suggestion for the food is everybody should just bring enough to feed maybe two to three people. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. You don't bring. You don't bring it to feed the whole group. Yeah. Yeah. So, we've got to do this differently because that's just too much food. Anyway, it was good to see you all. Um, wait, wait. Are you leaving? Oh, wait. Uh, you're not leaving, are you? Because I, I want. Okay. So, wait, wait, wait.